Let's begin. Let's begin. Welcome to day one of the 2021-2022 NBA season here on the 3 on 5 podcast. My name is Matt Hoy. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jerry Sotak, who is uh, not using his video at the moment, so you see just what I see, folks at home. Jerry, how are we today? Doing great. I, uh, I brought my webcam up to up north with me this past weekend and left it there. That's not which, That's not true. I, how, how could you possibly know that? No, I know that that's a lie. Nah, it's not a lie. It's definitely what happened. It's a weird lie to tell. We've done uh, almost 30 podcast episodes at this point. You'd think that at this point um, you'd just stop with this nonsense, but you'd think wrong, I suppose. Uh, Phil Coppage, my other co-host, with me as always. Phil, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Is Jerry not having his camera the new ship joke at the top of each podcast where we... (laughs) We're going to have to come up with new content about Jerry not having a camera every week. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess we could do that. Oh, my God, it's turning. Oh, he, so, fa- he found it. Jerry, you drove oh. up north that quick, huh? Uh, I must have been mistaken. Get Jerry in <laughs> Fast and the Furious 10. This guy can really yeah, tear it up out there. Speed demon. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, Jerry, you're, lo- you're looking handsome. Looking Thank you. Yep. The, the hair back behind my headphones. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's it's It works. It works for you. Uh, Phil, the Knicks don't play until tomorrow, so I know that the NBA season hasn't technically started for you. But uh, yeah. you live pretty near Brooklyn. Does that, not, does that not count at all? I am actually pretty close to Brooklyn. I am... Uh, a block away from Greenpoint Avenue, which goes right into Greenpoint, Brooklyn, of course. And then of course. just a short hop, skip, and a jump to Williamsburg, and then to that horrible monstrosity of a building called the Barclays Center. Which what, You don't like buildings that bleed onto the street? Oh, is this, is this a real thing that happened? What oh, yeah, happened? the the rust that they used on the outside at, during like the first rainstorm it apparently bled all over the sidewalk. Oh, well that's that's a good sign. They'll be fine though. They've, they've got two of the best what two of the top 8 players in the league right now. Maybe even higher. Could be higher. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's hard it's hard to know where uh, James Harden fits in just because he's had such a strange career but i think if we're talking about just like raw basketball skill yeah eight is definitely fair and i think when we get to the playoffs he will if they're both healthy i mean who better for him to lean on a little bit than kevin durant there's is Kyrie Irving's best friend right now, Ben Simmons. Like no one has talked about Kyrie for the last four or five days because of this Ben Simmons nonsense. So. Kyrie Irving's best friend is a uh, Buddhist monk uh, by the name of um, Tom Johnson. He's from uh, Central Ohio, Buddhist monk, and uh, he he's talked to Kyrie a, a whole lot lately about all of the um 
all of the various ways in which if Kyrie just drinks a little bit of goat's blood before every game, uh, it'll cause him to ascend. So it's also a, you know, apparently, and this is, this is according to Buddhist monk, Tom Johnson of Kyrie Irving fame. uh, It's a very, very effective way to boost your immune system. Well, that's what Bob Cousy used to do, right? Goat's blood. Before the three man weave every game. I think, I think he'd bathe in it. I don't, I don't think he was on to drinking it just yet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's up with all the Bob Cousy slander? I don't know what. I, to what are you referring, Jerry? All right, all right. Never mind. You're right. He did. He did indeed bathe in ghost blood, allegedly. 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 Uh, speaking of allegedly, allegedly, Ben Simmons got uh, thrown out of 76ers practice today, and uh, then allegedly. Joel Embiid, when asked about it later, said, I don't care about that man. Wow. That's pretty good. He also said, uh, it's not our job to babysit somebody. Which, I really respect that. Like, great way to handle it. Because he's right. This is really unprofessional and childish of him. So we promise we're not going to just talk about Ben Simmons the whole time, but I I do feel like we've got to touch on this. He's been suspended for a game by the team. He's not going to play in their season opener. And it just, it seems like uh, the whole thing is imploding like a dying star. Is there any chance Maury gets any sort of decent return for Simmons at this point? Not during the season, especially after all these extensions kicked in. No more Brogdon trade is on the table. Like, maybe there's still something with Indiana, but you've lost probably the main piece you'd want from Atlanta, I'd imagine. From Indiana? So, yeah. Yeah, because what Bobby Marks reported that after he signed that two-year extension, he's no longer eligible to be traded this year. So Brogdon cannot be moved in a Simmons trade for our, you know, thousands of listeners out there. (laughs) Man, that's... Sticking to my guns, man. He's not getting traded. He's just going to be a sixer for the next year. A sad, unplaying sixer. Do you think he did the Andrew Bynum thing, where just wherever he caught the ball during practice, he just hoist up a three? I I don't think so, because Because he's Ben Simmons. All right, that's fair. I should have realized. Yeah. 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 Do we think at some point... Adam Silver is going to intervene. Uh, so we, we talked a little bit about this on the text chain, but like, this is such a bad thing for the NBA. This is not the kind of leverage that you want a, a player who's in the second year of his five year maximum contract uh, to be engaging in. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's, if Silver steps in and says, look, you just make the best deal on the table. Let's just get this over with. And there's a, the deal that ends up happening is one that we weren't expecting that, that is actually pretty good. See, I'm actually going the other direction. I wonder if Silver will come in and say, like, this does not count as a year against your contract or something along those lines. I, I know that legally he can't do exactly that, but just just – you know, trying to take away any leverage 
uh, Simmons might have. Like, I could see this becoming the next big dividing <clears throat> point uh, for the next NBA player strike. Yeah, I think that that's almost certainly true. I I think that they'll probably try to handle it in-house first. Like, if Silver does get involved, it's probably going to be like, Silver had a sit-down with Rich Paul to try to, like, solve this behind closed doors. Uh, but, I, I yeah, I can't imagine that, like... There's no way Silver gives Rich Paul that kind of leverage, though, right? The commissioner meeting with an agent about a specific player in a contract dispute? That seems that seems insane. Yeah, that could be true. But, like, I don't think he's going to step in and be like, look, this is an embarrassment, you got to trade him. I agree because with that. Because that, that's just, like, shooting yourself in the foot, too. Totally agree. Right? No, I, I, I seriously, I lean, I lean more in the direction of, you know, uh, when players have retired and tried to come back in other sports... Uh, the commissioners have stepped in and said like something along the lines of you, you know, you can't sign with another team for the remainder of that contract uh, if you want to return. And I could see something along those lines happening with Simmons. If the 76ers like petition the league to say this guy is not fulfilling the terms of his contract uh, where Simmons gets not banned from the NBA, but banned from participating on any other team and let go from Philadelphia. So that his only recourse would be to fulfill the terms of his contract exactly. And if he refuses to do that, just be out of the league for four years. I don't think it's happened in basketball. At least I can't think of an example, but there have been similar things that have happened. Uh, I guess, you know, due to some drug suspensions and things like that in, in major league baseball. And then I think, um, Gosh, what was the name of that uh, that Raiders player who retired early? The defense, the defensive player who said he was going to kill people if he kept playing football. And then when he came back, he wasn't allowed to just sign wherever he wanted. Like retirement has specific um, rules, and I'm not going to pretend like I've read all of the, you know, the nitty gritty details or any of them around it. But from what I understand, leagues do have some leverage over players in this way. As well they should. Yeah, I think that if you play that card, though, doesn't Ben Simmons just say, yeah, man, my back hurts. I can't play. The Percy Harvin. Yeah, I know that, like, it, the doctors don't say that there's anything wrong with my back, but, you know, it just feels not right. He so, could do that, but at, at what point is his... Is he... You know, I know it was at first it's like, oh, well, this is actually kind of smart because he's dropping his own value so that whatever team he goes to doesn't have to trade as much for him. And in theory, that's fine. But these teams still, you know, if he's going to get another long-term contract in this league, someone has to trust him. <laughs> and I, the number of teams that are going to be willing to trust him I think is probably dwindling after this incident. So yeah, to yeah, be, to that's be true. clear, what we're discussing right now is unprecedented. Yeah. There have been like Anthony Davis did the injury thing that you're describing, Jerry. Um, Shaq threatened to do it way back when Kobe threatened to do it back in the day. Kyrie, Kyrie threatened to do it in Cleveland. Yeah. 
Uh, T.J. Warren literally did it last year. Just got yep. elective surgery because he didn't want to play for uh, for his coach. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, there are there are some similar scenarios here, but if we're talking about a guy who's tanked his trade value to the point where Daryl Morey won't trade him, but he also is incapable of, like, showing up and playing for his team. I mean, he's banking on the fact that players today really do have 100% of the leverage in these situations. And he's not wrong. Players seem to have 100% of the leverage in these situations. And I can't I can't think of a mechanism by which the NBA could curtail that without an adjustment to the CBA. Well, this, so in I think you're right, though, the scenario... If he's let out of his contract, he can't be he can't be allowed to play in the NBA until that contract runs out. So, what does he go back to Australia and play there? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 really wild to think of some of these contingencies. I mean, I I earnestly think that we could hear talk of unguaranteed contracts coming to the NBA after this because, you know. Let's say Simmons does play this injury card. He didn't injure himself playing basketball. So the 76ers, were this the NFL, would have a leg to stand on and say, look, we don't have to pay him. I think there's also enough evidence in this case to support that you can't take him at his word for any injury off the court. You know, John Wall, when he like... Or when you know, Amari Stoudemire punches a fire extinguisher and cuts his wrist, or John Wall pulls his hamstring or whatever because he's Kevin Garnett or house. Kevin Love do knuckle push-ups, right? That I guess you, you you let it slide because you're like, well, let's just let's just not try to bring light to this. But this guy's already tried to get out of playing. He's demanded a trade. He's made a complete mess of this. And to play the injury card after having done all this is just would make him look even worse. Yeah. But I, I, his, he does he, doing it. He clearly doesn't give a shit about public perception, though. Yeah, I kind of respect him in that way, but also don't respect any of his actions. So I think I agree with you. I actually think that this is a pretty like remarkably stone cold take that he's had here i mean even ad didn't ruin his team season this way even james harden wasn't willing to just destroy his team in this way butler yeah. was see i i to, don't agree to a lesser to i don't agree either no but butler's form of destroying his team was coming Show. yeah coming in and saying like look how bad at basketball everyone else on this team is you need yeah. me if you want to win that should have been simmons blueprint I think because doing it, he did the opposite. <laughs> yeah, but Simmons is not Jimmy Butler, as the seven, 76ers should well know. Yeah, yeah, and also, and also, their roster isn't as bad as the Wolves' roster was. It's true. Yeah, Joel Embiid is uh, pretty insane. Uh, Seth yeah. Curry is no slouch. I guess what I what I meant was that J- at least Jimmy didn't. Jimmy may have hurt his value around the league by acting out that way but at least he showed up and like was willing to play and call other players out for not being good enough yeah like simmons isn't showing up and not talking that's 
That, I think, is the strangest part of this whole saga, is the fact that Simmons is just quiet. Just willing also, to let Rich Paul do his talking. And not, but also seemed for the, when it was reported that he just showed up at the Sixers practice facility, some of the reporting said that the Sixers have been in constant contact with Rich Paul, and they neither they nor Rich Paul knew he was going to show up. Yep. So the fact that the Sixers, who are in elite, like, are going to end up being witnesses in a legal battle with Nerland's Noel between Noel and Rich Paul. He has a strained relationship with the Sixers and the Sixers were in closer contact with Rich Paul than it seems Rich Paul was with Ben Simmons. This whole thing is such a, sounded like such a strange conflict of interest too, because the Sixers are going to have to testify against Rich Paul but if they yeah. do, I'm sure that the implication will be you're never getting a clutch sports a clutch sports uh, free agent ever again. As an would they? I, I mean, I wouldn't want to deal with Rich Paul after this if I'm the Sixers. But yeah, that's to be cut off from an agency like that is is pretty crazy. So this this whole thing is is a really strange. Um, it's a really strange thought experiment because I'm. I'm pretty decidedly pro-labor philosophically here. And I think that NBA owners are not a class worth protecting at all. Um, I also don't really think that most of the pro-competitive rule sets in the NBA are actually all that effective. And so, you know, the the net outcome of player empowerment is that you'll get a consolidation of players in desirable markets, which my own market is not. But I, I just sort of, I think if we're like rigorous with our thoughts on this topic, I think we have to side with the players here. Like I, I think Ben Simmons is doing the, the right thing. He's a player who's worth the amount of money that he's paid, but because of a CBA that is inherently designed to disadvantage him in terms of his bargaining power, uh, he's forced to contractually sell his entire 20s to one team. We're looking at DeAndre Ayton right now, who's in a really similar situation. Obviously, Ayton wants to be there, but like, look at look at what little power Aiton has because he has not been offered the max contract yet. I wonder if the solution is like players get an opt out. uh, An opt out like option on a contract. Like, yeah, that's regardless. Like you can just walk away from a contract. So I, I honestly believe that the option is or that the solution to this problem is that you make an actual hard salary cap no more bird rights no soft cap none of that shit the luxury tax is gone actual hard salary cap and you remove the concept of maximum contracts any player can make any amount of money yeah but they're yeah i just don't think that's gonna fly if we're talking about things that will happen, I don't think we're going to see much change at all here. I yeah, think it's that's probably true. You know, it's pretty. It's probably just going to stay awkward for the next twenty years in the exact way that it's awkward now. Um, 
But if we're talking what good or potential solutions would be for this stuff, yeah, I mean, just get rid of get rid of the max contract. Get rid of complicated cap rules. No more cap math. Fuck all that stuff. You can play you you can pay any player any amount of money for as many seasons as you'd like. And stupid teams like well, in the past it would have been the Knicks, but now, you know, probably Sacramento or somebody are gonna pay some terrible middling player like the equivalent of a max contract for eight years or something and come crying to the rest of the NBA to bail them out of their stupid decision at some point. But don't listen to that because that's what leads to this problem now. If yeah, LeBron guess... James can just get paid $80 million and you've got to like put 14 other guys around him who are averaging salaries of five hundred grand, cool. That's a more interesting NBA. I, I agree that it's a more interesting... I think I agree that it's a more interesting NBA. I just... I, I guess I don't really see how that solves the problem that we're currently seeing. Because, like, <clears throat> what if that LeBron James decides he doesn't want to play for that team anymore and starts doing this shit? Uh, well, I mean, the the difficulty would be that nobody would have as much cap space as they would need to sign a LeBron James. Like, if LeBron makes $80 million a team would need to let their entire roster lapse in the same season that he gets unhappy and wants to leave. Yeah, I guess. But again, like... Sure, that's like... If if the player is making $80 million, I guess that's the case. But if they're not making $80 million, if they're just making 30 or $40 million, it would still be the case. See, I, I still think it's a... Uh... I still think it's a difficult um, position for the player to find themselves in. Um, I mean, I think this is a difficult position for them to find themselves in anyway. Today, you mean? Yeah, I mean, like, God, it doesn't I don't think seem that, that just, difficult. <laughs> it, it doesn't. It doesn't seem at all pleasant for anyone involved. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think, I think you can do a few things to get rid of this problem. Uh, that are maybe like less or that are more direct and probably less revolutionary but I, I i guess i'm skeptical that they really would wind up solving the issue but the first is getting getting rid of restricted free agency uh it's like a huge a huge problem restricted if you don't have restricted free agents then guys are where they are for four years and if they demand a trade in their second season well the team would be insane not to trade them. The problem is, is that like no CBA will ever be ra get ratified without restricted free agency, and no small market teams are ever going to agree to new negotiation rules that disadvantage them compared to the larger markets, even though the current rule set doesn't actually seem to have any effect on guys staying with small market teams. Like, if, if anything, I think we're realizing that the current rules are entirely insufficient because as soon as a player signs a max contract extension, they have 100% of the leverage. They have no risk whatsoever 
the team has all the risk and they can dictate exactly what they want to happen or they can like be Andrew Wiggins and just become totally worthless on the basketball court and the team can you know get put in a position where they feel the need to um for example package a first round draft pick and trade for a uh, mediocre guard just in order to get rid of his contract he's friends with towns though so yeah that's true it's worth a morale boost Uh, unironically you're correct Yeah, I, I don't have the solutions, but I, I do think that there are things that ought to be considered that'll help. Uh, I want to ask you guys a question, though, because I think... Yeah, I, I don't think Aiton... I think, Phil, you texted that Aiton did not wind up signing an extension, right? Yeah, that they ended negotiations. Ended negotiations. So Sarver's just not going to pay him? Well, no, they're they're going to put a restricted free agency. Yeah. Is the gamble then that no one will offer him a max in restricted free agency? I think that on top of, do, do you want to sign with Sacramento or the Spurs and not stay here with Devin Booker for the your prime? Yeah. So. See, and. But that, other teams could easily clear space if they needed to. I well, mean, so the, the Wolves have found themselves in sort of this exact scenario because i don't think if if he goes into restricted free agency the longest contract that anyone can offer him is is four years right yeah but the shortest contract anybody can offer him is three years right but i'm just saying they effectively lose a year of control over deandre aiden by doing this right uh at least one yeah at at least they lose at least one year of control over deandre aiden by doing this which is like I mean the uh, wolves. The wolves did this with Kevin Love. They signed him to a four-year contract because, you know, we're stupid. I, I think theoretically it could even be more because I, I don't know if you guys remember the Chandler Parsons like stare down back in the day. Yeah, with Cuban. Uh, yeah, or well, not with Cuban. It was with uh, Maury actually. Uh, Cuban signed him to a. What to an offer it? sheet? Yeah, it was a, a, a three. It was a three-year deal with a player option in year three, so it was essentially a a two-year two-year deal. deal. They, so they lost him, and they would have lost him in free agency, basically, like very quickly. Yeah, and I huh. don't believe they ended up matching. So. I don't. I don't remember that well enough. I I thought that uh, I thought that there were stories about like. Chandler Parsons like getting into Mark Cuban's limo and being like, "Give me a max, or I'm leaving." Sure, I I, th- I think that that did happen because he, you know, how only had like a two year deal. He took the yeah. player option. My point is isn't like about the nuances of like yeah, yeah, what sorry. happened with Chandler Parsons. It's just that if some team, some team might sign uh, DeAndre Ayton to a three year deal with a player option yeah. in year three. And then if you match it, it's like, well, okay, he's going to be gone in two years. 
So let's let's depart a minute from the like philosophical discussion of you know whether or not these players ought to have more leverage in their own careers, and can we talk about whether the Suns are making the right choice? Phil, what do you think? I I struggle with this today because I really like Bridges, and I was convinced last week that they were going to be forced to move him to bring Aiton back. Um, and I think Aiton is when a When you say forced, player. do you mean like by Sarver's By Robert Sarver's. Yeah, exactly. I think we talked last week about how he's he's got a reputation and, you know, these, these uh, max contract talks with Aiton stalling should not be come as a surprise to anybody, especially after paying a 40-year-old Chris Paul the biggest contract in the league and already paying Devin Booker a ton of money already. It is a pretty astounding calculation that he's made. Cause how, how long is the Paul contract? Is it four seasons or three? I think it's four, four, right? I believe so. And he's 37. Think... Yeah. I think they're paying him into his a couple of years. I don't I don't How old is he? I thought he was 40 now. <laughs> Chris Paul, <laughs> I think he's I think he's 37 this season. I I could be mistaken, um, but it it is. I mean, it's a. But that's not a knock. Oh, he's 36. 36. Okay. okay, so he'll he'll be going till 40 if it's a four year deal. Can you double check that it's a four year deal? He... Yeah, let me check. Yeah. It, I I think it is, but yeah, let, let's let's make sure. I mean, it's it's just a uh... <laughs> click at a clack. Uh, oh sorry no you're good you're good uh it's a uh it's a real thing the Suns have decided fundamentally that deandre ayton is nowhere near as important to what they're doing as a team as chris paul is and so it's i'm not sure it's he's he's under contract through 2024 25 24 25 all right. Is so, uh, are there any player options in there? Uh, it looks like the last year's non-guaranteed. Okay. Yes. So at, so it it is a four-year deal, but some sort of option in the final season. I would guess yeah. it's a player option because it's Chris Ball. No, they usually specify. It looks like it's just a uh, if he's waived one of those. If he's waived, he gets part. He gets part of it, but he doesn't get all of it. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's not labeled as a player option. So a minimum three, maximum four-year deal. Either way, I mean, he's making $20 million more million than DeAndre Ayton would make on a maximum contract. <laughs> this is like a pretty extreme uh, message to DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. He is and, nowhere but- near as important. But I guess going back to your initial question, I'm probably too high on bridges. So just take take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. <laughs> I think I'd rather slightly overpay for a guy that's as good as bridges as a. He's like he's. I wouldn't want to pay a, a you know a three and D guy like him any more than that but he is pretty good and he's young eight 
Aiden as a cent like a traditional center. I don't know. I feel like you could find a cheap replacement that does not exactly what he does, but saves you a bit of money. So I don't, I can't blame him for playing hardball with him. He's 22. He hasn't exact, like he had his first really amazing year this year and they made it to the finals. I would, he was, he was solid last year, but like he wasn't, he, you know, so I've, I've heard, I've heard that exact argument a lot this off season. And I, that, that strikes me as wrong. I actually think Aiden was just as good two years ago. Um, and didn't take much of a step forward. If anything, he took a bit of a step backward last year. Um, the the difference so- the difference is that they had exposure in the playoffs and he had better teammates. Yeah, but they also have two max guys on their team already. Like, is he is he worth it as a third max? And I think he, I think they should keep him. But I'm not gonna. I'm not. <laughs> And it's Sarver, so I don't want to protect Sarver's honor here, but I don't blame them for trying to push back on that a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It's uh I've thought a lot about it over the past two days because, you know, it's been so in the media that it, it didn't seem as if it was going to get done, and then of course it didn't get done. But I'm I think I actually agree with the Sun's approach here. Because, you know, players are are showing over and over again that no one's willing to just, like, take the qualifying offer for year five and enter unrestricted free agency. For some reason, players will not do that. So I'd, I'd, I'd gamble on his unwillingness to do that as well. No one else is going to do it or has done it. And they... Signed Bridges to that extension after we talked about this last week. So I think their willingness to pay him, like Norman Powell money, who which he's deserving of, is gives. I think not that it gives them leverage, but it's like, hey, look, if you we we had some success, take a little discount. We'll give you close to the max but just like help us out so we can keep this thing going for the next 10 years. I don't think that's crazy for them to ask. But. I actually think this was a bit of an overpay for bridges. Yeah. That's what's so surprising about this whole scenario to me. Bridges is what's the average value per year of his four year extension. It's like $23 million. 22.5. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of money. So I think it's cause he's a wing I for for sure that is why it is. I just I still think that's a bit of an overpay. Well, right, but like I I think that a big part of this is that the center is like a, the most replaceable. Yeah, how how often does giving maxing a center work out for teams? You know, well that depends on what you mean by a center. Because like if Giannis counts as a center, which I don't think he does. I mean, he played center. Yeah, I know, but he's not. A, he's not a center. <laughs> like what I mean. What I mean is, he he doesn't just play center. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jokic, Embiid, Towns. Well, uh, it's Jokic and Embiid for sure have worked out. Gobert to a lesser extent. 
I'd almost Chat. argue that Gobert did not work out. But Gobert got a a, a bigger than Max as well because he was on his second, uh, or his, he was going into his third contract, I should say. Anyway, uh, I, I was kind of of two minds about this as well because, like, it seems like you're only going to lose out on time that you have Aiton if you're holding him in free agent or holding if you're going to go to restricted free agency. But like, can you get eighty percent of what Aiton does for a million dollars for ten million dollars? Mm, no, you know, I I don't think so. You don't think so. Well, so this this is what's tough about DeAndre Ayton is I think he's a pretty unique player. I know I've been he might be the next guy who I'm irrationally high on. Actually, I'm I'm realizing as we talk now, but like I've been ringing this bell for years. I really do he's think that irrational about it. He's good. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I I feel rational about it, but I I I have felt rational in the past as well and <laughs> learned that I was not. But uh, yeah, no, I mean he's. He's an excellent rebounder. He is an elite level lob threat. He's an outstanding screen setter. He's an outstanding defender. I think that the the thing that you'd like to see from his growth, I hear a lot of people talking about his jump shot and how he needs to shoot better and more, and I, I don't buy that at all. I don't think that's important for his game. Well, he's also he's got a solid like mid range from the from the corners. I was I just mean, gonna say, yeah, I think his face up game, if he can just you know become a little bit better of a volume score on the same efficiency, you know, high fifties, low sixties, I think you're totally happy. And at that point, I have no idea what percentage you can replicate. I mean, you can get eighty percent of his offensive production probably from like. You know, Ennis Cantor will be too old by then, but whoever the next Ennis Cantor is, but you'll lose out on everything else that I just described. You'll maybe be able to get 80% of his def- defensive efficiency um, and effectiveness, but gosh, the idea that that person will, you know, have the same ability to score i mean you're looking more at like a steven adams type player at that point and it's like these guys who were describing who were saying would give you 80 percent of one skill set that deandre aiden has these guys are making 20 million dollars a year the other yeah. weird thing about it oh sorry go ahead jerry oh i was just gonna say like it makes you realize think... what a f- freaking deal Jonas valanchunas is on <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I I guess you're right. Uh, 80% is like the wrong... I I was more like a center's uh, usual like niche is just to be like the defensive player, right? Like you rim protect, you rebound, and you try to set some screens and put some pressure on the rim as a roll man. And you can get a lot of that for a lot less money. Now, you're not going to get it as good. You're definitely not going to get the offensive production that Aiton gives you. But do you necessarily need it if you have, like, Booker and... I I don't know. I'm thinking thinking through, like, who are the budget bigs in the NBA right now? Like, Claxton's probably one. Claxton, Nerlens Noel, maybe Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, Mitch isn't going to be one much longer. 
Mason well, it, it remains to be seen. Mason. Yeah, Mason Plumley. Uh, I mean, Jared um, Allen was one, but like I'd way, I'd way rather have DeAndre Ayton than Jared Allen. And Jared Allen got Ennis, twenty million a year. Ennis Cantor. Tice, I, is Tice even going to be an NBA player in two years? Teams do not no, seem no. to believe in him. I, I, that's that's fair. I, but this, this is like what, this a is Tice what I'm trying to get at. Like, is is Claxton ever going to average fifteen and nine? No. Right, and that's like the he lowest could. end. He's, like, he's twenty-one. He could. He could. Uh, I don't think he's a safe bet to. And my my point is just that unless you sign a really excellent rookie deal guy who's giving you this type of production, you're going to have to pay $10 million for a moderately productive player. And I think that Aiton is more than twice as good as a moderately productive player. Well, I agree. If we're putting it in raw numbers. And Jerry, as you, I mean, you know, Nerlens was paid about $9 million this year. And I'd much rather have Aiden at the max than Nerlens. I mean, I, Nerlens was fine for us last year, but that's a huge, huge, huge upgrade. And I realize sure. there's... I, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be a huge upgrade. I'm saying, is that upgrade worth missing out on another max player? Because but you but who's the other max player? What, what free agent... You, the Suns are never going to have enough cap space to sign another max player. They just gave Mikhail Bridges $23 yeah. million a year. No, no, no. I And I understand that. Like this why wouldn't they just this pay isn't him? About, it, this isn't about necessarily like the free free agency. It's a, this is the, this is about like the luxury tax. Okay, I'm happy you went there. Yeah, I've uh, so I I thought when we started talking about this, I sort of thought to myself that I was going to come down on like the Suns are doing the right thing, but I think I've talked myself out of that position. Like it it really does seem like this is just a avoid the luxury tax type situation. And gosh, if only there were some past examples of uh teams being willing to break up talented cores in order to avoid the luxury tax that didn't look so good for those teams and i I feel like i feel like we're watching that right now Hmm. well the 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 other thing that's especially strange about this whole thing is that during that draft you know they pat you know they pass on Luca and Trey and they got killed for it and part of the reason why it was reported they wanted him is cuz he's from Arizona like he played at Arizona they liked him because he was a local he played locally he was recognizable so it seems like of all of the player of all the teams that had drafted players from that class they would they would be most loyal to him and to yeah to prior I guess they didn't prioritize Bridges, but they signed him before Aiton was very surprising. And for the same contract that they want Aiton to sign. Is that, was that, is that reported? No, but like he only makes 3 million a year less than a max. Like that's, you know, yeah, it's either that or less. Yeah. They probably made, you're right. They probably offered both of them the same thing. Right. It's like, yeah. Or, or, so similar of a deal that it's practically the same is all I'm trying to get at. I don't know if it's the exact same numbers, but you know, like there's, there's not much difference between the contract that bridges signed and a max. 
So I, my, my question from a team composition standpoint comes down to, is it worth potentially losing out on DeAndre Ayton in order to save like $3 million that you're not going to be able to use on a free agent in any case? It's just, it's literally just a cash savings thing. No, but I think they're willing to risk just matching whatever he's offered. You signed Chris Paul for four seasons. It's it's just really, I, yeah, I don't know. It's weird, man. It's just very weird. But this is what they paid campaign to. I mean, they paid a lot of guys this summer. They did. So it's, it is a weird, it's very weird. Dude, to I, I hope... I hope Aiton signs the qualifying deal and just goes and plays next to AD. <laughs> no, you should come to the Knicks. I mean, you know, go wherever you want. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I'd love to see him just say, all right, thanks, sons. You just ruined a potential, you know, decade of excellence uh, because you wanted to save a few million dollars. Good, great, great job. I'm going to go play with a superstar and contend. Well, you maybe know, they already Brooke, have a sign and trade worked out. Brooke Lopez won't be in Milwaukee anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> that yeah. would be absurd. I I just, you know, Giannis is a center, so I, I don't know how absurd it'd be, but Yeah, I I don't know. We we can we can let it ride. I think I'm I'm think I'm voting no though. I think the Suns did a stupid thing here. Well, it, it's like a it high risk, up, low reward thing. If they re-sign him as a restrict, if they match an offer for him, though, it's it's not. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be if there is an offer, it's gonna be a max offer anyway. It's just gonna be for fewer years. Yeah, nobody's gonna sign him to a less than a max deal because the Suns are just gonna match it anyway. Why tie up your cap? Like yeah. I mean, I think they're hoping that no one offers him a max deal. Oh, I think that they're probably hoping that too. I just think that that's probably pretty delusional. Yeah. Somebody's going to throw a three-year max at him, and then you're, like, missing out on two years of Aiton. You're telling me that, like, the Mavs aren't going to do everything in their power to give Aiton a four-year max? Oh, my God, yeah. They're probably already trying to unload tim hardaway jr oh i'm sure like the minute that it got reported that aiden was not signing an extension mark Cuban was like okay i've got a plan yeah reggie bullock i'm sorry (laughs) i know you're the best defensive player the world has ever seen we're sending you to okc for a second round (laughs) yeah i don't know i like this the upside of this decision is that Maybe they sign him to a slightly less expensive contract for fewer years. But that's it's like terrible upside for a pretty high risk. Because I I still sort of firmly believe some player at some point is going to say, fine, I'll sign the qualifying offer. Yeah, I'll become an unrestricted free agent next year. Sure. Honestly, I think Aiton's probably more likely than Zion, giving... I know that Zion's been chirping, like, the Zion camp has been chirping about it, and that's, like, sort of been the shadow that's been across the league for a while now. It's like, what if Zion signs the qualifying offer? But Zion also weighs 300 pounds. (laughs) 330, they say now. 
and like has broken feet all the time. Yeah. So it's sort of hard for me. It's becoming more difficult for me to see that guy taking that risk. Hundred percent. Yeah, Zion's signing a max extension. Uh, and I then he may see then he may never play a basketball game again. Yeah, Aiden, I could see that guy's. I don't see that guy's value going down a lot. No. And you're right, Matt. They they, you know, they're that that thinking that oh well, centers are the last position you want to pay max money to. They're the most easily replaceable. It's I guess that's true, but it's also that guy's 22 and he's already really good. Just like give him the fucking max, yeah. and if you can't afford it later, just trade him. Like, yep, it's. It's not like you're giving him $40 million a year. There are plenty of guys on the $27 million a max scale who you can trade him for. But they're probably also betting on that they're still going to be good this year because the West is not as great as it was. So is he really going to look at them after having made possibly made the Western Conference Finals two years in a row and say, like, no, I'm going to go play with – uh, DeJounte Murray in San, San Antonio and we're going to dominate the league. No, I think what he's going to say is I'm going to sign the qualifying offer and play in the Chris Paul's 38-year-old season, see how he's feeling, and then if we don't make it, I'm going to dip because they still have to pay Chris Paul $44 million a year for two more years. So we're not getting any better. We've peaked. We didn't win a title. I'm going to go make a bag and compete. Hmm. That would be my suspicion. I, I, if I'm a, if, if we're talking bets, I don't think that happens. I think Aiden probably signs, you know, a four year max deal and restricted free agency and the Suns probably match it. Uh, because yeah. that's just what happens in these scenarios, but it's just a stupid thing to do. It's a stupid gamble to take. Especially because you have a 36-year-old Chris Paul locked up for the next few seasons, and he's not getting any better. You're competing now. Don't do anything to rock the boat. And also, you know, Chris Paul, as we stated, Chris Paul is old. He's had injury problems. If, if he gets hurt, for extended period this season. I think the Suns will still be frisky and in there, but they'll still be awesome. They'll still be good, but they could still, they could slip down to five or six or even into the plan. Really? You think you could see him in the plan with just Paul going down? Yeah. Yeah, I could. Wow. I mean, they were a plan team before without Paul, right? And that's not to, that's they, not a knock on the other players. I just think Chris Paul's really important to what they do. Jerry, realistically, that was that was three years ago. Uh, that was two years ago, right? Well, so it was it was early twenty twenty, uh, or uh, pardon me, tw- early twenty nineteen, uh, and oh, okay, yeah, no, I guess and late, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. It was. I mean, I, I think that I I don't think that, that that's true anymore. I think that there's been improvement internally, but 
just in, uh, just and, and during I, the COVID also, break, there was a tremendous yeah, amount of improvement. Yeah, I, I also think they turned a corner at the end of that year. Yep. Um, well, that that's but, what I mean. Like when I said three years ago, I was trying to say like there was effectively an off season between the pre bubble and the bubble. Yeah. No, it's it's not it's not easy to keep track of, yeah. and they they I think you're I'm not saying that they would be dead in the water without Paul because they have their young core is that they have probably the best internal development scenario of any team in the league right now with Aiden Booker and Bridges, um, but I still think that that doesn't solidify them as like a top three seed without Paul. I I think that just maybe saves them from falling out of the play-in and maybe just being at like the seven seed as, as the, their worst case scenario. Yeah. I, seven, maybe, man, I, I just, it's still a really good, really well-balanced, really deep team. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's well-coached. Very. Like well, I do, Monty I do think. My, Monty was my pick for yeah, coach of the year. Exactly. Yeah. I do think that Paul's important. I just, Gosh, I I can't wrap my head around the idea that the Suns are like on the Memphis Grizzlies level without Chris Paul right now. That just feels totally wrong to me. No, I, you could be right, but I guess I just haven't seen really seen this team without Chris Paul for extended periods. Yeah, so not it's since hard the bubble. To, it's hard to it's hard to separate the two. Yeah, no, I mean it's an important call out because Paul is going to go down at some point this season. Mm-hmm even though he's a vegan now. <laughs> even LeBron can't stay healthy anymore. And LeBron's the most physically freakish human being that we've seen he's... until Giannis Antetokounmpo. But LeBron's not vegan. That's true. LeBron is not vegan yet. Actually, I don't I don't think he can afford to go vegan cuz he owns too many non-vegan restaurants. There would be a conflict of uh business. And the one thing that we know about uh, LeBron James is he'll never, ever do anything that conflicts with his business interests. He wants to be a billionaire. He's, I think, now a billionaire. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. Yeah, I mean, Spring Hill just got valued at $750 million. So Space, Space Jam 2 swept the Oscars. Should we um, talk? Should we get into our Space Jam 2 review now? is it time i have not watched it all right next next episode we'll 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 do our space jam 2 review next next episode (laughs) yeah that's that's fine Um, see if i can carve out you know 20 different 10 minute segments during the day no i don't i I think i think you it's you don't actually have to watch it i think this is like our version of jimmy kimmel saying sorry we didn't have time for matt damon Oh, gotcha. You know, like, and okay, well, we're just, we, we were going to get to our out. Space Jam 2 review, but edit that part. I'll out, edit yeah. this part out so that, yeah. you know, pay no attention to the men behind the curtain. Yeah, the fans will be totally in the dark about it. It's it's fine. Um, so, yeah, okay, we'll pick up right here post edit. Uh, welcome to the three on five podcast, patreon.com forward slash three on five. Praise Shay, we're on a boat. Uh, okay, I think that's I think that's everything. Jerry has assumed the amuse me pose. <laughs> yeah, Jerry's back is at a 180 <laughs> degree angle to his femurs right now. 
it's true jerry i don't i don't think that's good for you i don't think you should it's say, not yeah <laughs> it's, it's it becomes uncomfortable pretty yeah. quickly, actually. <laughs> i believe that yeah i think the suns are dumb i think they should have just maxed him well they still might so yeah but uh, not 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 probably not worth it to upset him well, and the other question is, does this upset Devin Booker? Because one of the things that's been so fortuitous for this Philadelphia situation is the fact that Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid are now best friends. But I don't think that Robert Sarver and DeAndre Ayton care for each other. I don't think Robert Sarver cares for basically anyone in the NBA, yeah, why does that guy own an NBA basketball team? Because he's rich. <clears throat> because he got he bought it before it was like. I think he he saw it as a, a mode of making money, not as like a. He's not one of these owners like Steve Ballmer, where it's a trophy. He's like, no, this has got a. This is another thing to own that is going to generate money for me, so that I can finally add a pool to my estate. He did. He did do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to keep hammered at home, Suns fans, but it's just I like this is in the back of my mind at all times. Whenever I think about this Suns team, I just he's as a Knicks fan and you guys too, as Wolves fans. Sarver's. I mean, for a long time, I thought of him as like a top three worst owner in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe he's. Maybe with this finals run, he's he's not as th- thought of as as bad. But I mean, his tendencies are—it's not like they've disappeared. Um, and Glenn Taylor sold the team, so he's he's not going to be an owner for much longer. Yeah, he's only sort of sold the team. Yeah, I did. I don't understand that. I thought he was out, and then I. I it seems like he's going to be in there for another year or so. Just when I thought I was out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cut the cord, Glenn. Nobody, nobody's, nobody's yeah. going to miss you. Nobody wants you there anymore. You've also, been a you, don't need, owner. you don't need to like hand, like hand over the reins. You've barely had a handle on them to begin with. It's like, true. <laughs> you, <laughs> just let them do their thing. Cause you didn't know what you were doing. This is not a presidential election. Like we don't right. need a, we don't need a peaceful transfer of power where you like give them a tour of your house, Glenn. Yeah. You don't need to pardon any turkeys. Just get the fuck out of there. Sorry. What a, should we discuss how weird it is that we pardon a Turkey on Thanksgiving? It's about time. I've been thinking about this for yeah, ages. I feel like the buildup has been 30 or so episodes in the making. 29. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not doing this bit. <laughs> I, just, I just mean, isn't the implication of pardoning a turkey that all turkey consumption in the United States is a form of discipline and penalty? Are you implying that it's not? I am implying that it's not. Okay, well, then you're naive. <laughs> okay, walk me through it, Jerry. What is the uh, 
what what is the genealogy of this idea have you seen the fbi's like crime statistics god he's got it he's got a he's got an answer for this phil i didn't expect this no jerry i haven't like 40 percent of all crime is carried out by turkeys jive turkeys you i I, you correctly yeah (laughs) jive turkeys so you know mass executions are important to keep crime down if we didn't purge their numbers every year imagine what could happen Uh, (laughs) it's out of control they're like deer it's worse than deer 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 are peaceful (laughs) Deer are peaceful. They're a little uh, dumb. But... So, so Jerry, you you used to come over to my house in uh, Eden Prairie, right? Yeah, I would like throw styrofoam at your head and stuff. Well, I don't think that was there. I think that was in your basement. I don't um, think that that's that's right. But Phil, okay. have we ever told you about that? How one time during the summer, Jerry had ordered something in a box, and we had pretty aerodynamic styrofoam, so we started throwing it at one another's head over and over again until we both got headaches. <laughs> I did not hear this story, but I'm glad. Like I did. for 45 straight minutes, <clears throat> we just glide styrofoam through the air into one another's head. That's how you build character. That's how you build CTE. I'm pretty sure that's also how Saitama became one punch. Man. I think that's right. I think that's right. Oh man, Jerry, I, I finished Mob Psycho 100. Oh, you watched like what the first season or the whole thing? The, the whole thing. Okay, how how did you feel? I thought it was. I thought uh, so. I thought season one ended okay. I thought there were good moments. I loved the um, the final combat scene uh, where Master Reagan uh, like goes ham. Thought that was pretty dope. And then I thought the first episode of season two was like by far the best episode of the show so far. And I was like, oh my God, they finally figured it out. We're going to, we're going to go. This is going to be great. I can't wait to learn more about Emmy as a character. This is so interesting. And then it became another five (laughs) goddamn monster of the week episodes. Yep. That were terrible. I told you that that was going to happen. You did? Yes, I said that they do, like, Monster of the Week stuff for, like, the first half of Season 2. I, I thought that was only Season 1. No, they do it in Season 2 as well. Oh, my God, it was awful. Like, unbearable. Uh, I was really upset. And then, um, Phil, have you seen Mob Psycho 100? Yeah. Okay, okay. Spoiler alert for those of you at home, because we're, we're about to get into the details. The thematic expose on Mob Psycho 100. Uh I thought it was an incoherent nonsense arc with uh, Show's dad, like, taking over the world. I have no idea what the theme of the show was because it it seemed to be something along the lines of, like, if you're just a... It, okay, I'm going to start over. It seemed to be that if you surround yourself with good people, they'll pick you up when you're not strong enough to go on. In fact... Mob explicitly stated that at the antagonist of the show like four or five times. But that wasn't the theme. The theme was just Mob's stronger than him. So he so he beats him. And in fact none of none of the other people matter at all. 
they didn't help even a little. There was no banding together. He was just... The show's dad was actually correct. Whoever's strongest wins. That's the... That's that's the thematic lesson of the story, but it's not the thematic lesson of the show. And when a show's thematic lesson uh, conflicts with its story's theme, I think you've got a real issue. So I, I was just like, I was unbelievably confused as to what I was supposed to be taking away from most of this. I thought the fight scene was like, okay, but so it, it was just like literally two guys saying i haven't even reached my final form back and forth at each other for two straight episodes but it's it's kind of doing that tongue-in-cheek it's like ooh, ooh. they're kind of making fun of that device maybe earlier on in the series but by this point there's no humor in it at all that is just earnestly the conflict uh the teaser for season three just dropped this morning oh good so anyway, my my point is that they had the potential for a bunch of really interesting thematic exploration in season two, but it's literally just a worse One Punch Man. Because at least One Punch Man gets the joke. Don't slander One Punch Man. I'm not. I'm praising One Punch Man right now. <laughs> I think One Punch One Punch Man is spectacular. Both seasons one and two. Outstanding. But, well, I well I'll push back a little bit on season two. Oh, I love I love I love the season two, but the the animation was like not even close to as good as season one. Right, but it was still better than Mob Psycho one hundred. The animation? Yeah. No, that's um, madness. Oh, dude, Mob Psycho one hundred's animation is like there are like thirty minute stretches in each season where it's pretty good, and then the rest of the show is like six frames per second scribbled on mediocre. Well, I'm not going to say that season two of One Punch was like poorly animated, but the first season was maybe my favorite like anime animation I've ever seen, like from beginning to end. I'm not disputing that there's a tremendous drop off. And I totally agree. One Punch Man season one is, I think my second favorite like animation quality of any it's, show i've ever seen that that studio mappa is incredible if you've ever seen any of their other stuff there. uh yeah season God. four of attack on titan my friend have, and have you seen the the plot is incoherent but um they did this show called uh god of high school which no. is a korean a korean manga that <laughs> is on they did the first season and the animation is fucking incredible i believe it yeah i mean season four of attack on titan i know a lot of people didn't love it but i i fucking love it uh can't wait for can't wait for the ending bring it on mappa my my only point was to say that while yes one punch man season two was significantly lower quality than season one i still think that the majority of the animation in mob psycho 100 is like extremely mediocre but it doesn't really it doesn't really take away from the show much for me either it, it, it bums me. me out though because I, I really wanted to see the garo stuff in mappa mappa animation garo's a good character dude god damn he's great oh season two of one punch man mm. Mm. well that, that's, that's good stuff I, 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 okay we've gone too deep into one punch but <laughs> man i'm just like i've i've read the manga i'm a 
that I I love the manga. Sure. And it's just I just feel like season two did they did they did some scenes real dirty by undercutting some of the the animation they had available to them. The See, uh, like there were still some really incredible fight scenes in season two, and yeah, I understand that. Like the the general quality of animation, like there were less colors on screen, and uh, than there were in season one. But like, at least the frame rate didn't plummet. It's more just that uh, it's like no nobody nobody shadowed. Up. Like there there's no shading in season two. That's well, yeah, that's true. But it's also they. I'm also getting into really horribly, horrifically nerdy territory. Like they didn't, they didn't hold on that one frame that I loved from the manga long enough. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, yeah. You, you can criticize whatever you want that way. Because whenever I watch the Watchmen movie, that's my exact thought process. Like, what is this Fair shit? Enough. This needed to yeah. be at least five seconds. Yeah, uh, that's fair. So no, I, I'm not going to defend the animation in One Punch Man Season 2 much more than saying there were still some incredible fight scenes. Oh, uh, totally. totally. The, um, what's, what's the dude with the bat? What's his name? Metal Bat. Metal Bat. That, that versus, whole fight versus, scene? Versus Giant Set. Oh my god. Yeah. Spectacular. Non-stop. He's such a great character. Oh, outstanding. Uh, loved One Punch Man Season 2. So no, I was not casting Shade on one punch man season two in fact no one can cast shade on one punch man season two there's no shading uh oh, i can't i can't wait for the zombie man episode That's is is a season cool. three coming out i would imagine at some point it's, it's going to because okay. the manga is pretty far ahead of where the anime is now it's true yeah I, I i had read that there might not be a season three of one punch man but oh they can't do that to me well, if, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I might be wrong. Anyway, back to the point at hand. One Punch ben Man Simmons. at least understands the thesis that it's boring to just have a character who's stronger than everyone else. And Mob Psycho 100 does not understand that thesis. Isn't it the same writer, though? It is. It's the same writer. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's so maybe what I'm... He's, making, he's making fun of himself with One Punch, because I think he wrote that after. 100%, I think you're correct. Yeah. Yes. That's why I love Cause, One Because One Punch Man, I would not describe it as, like, satire. I think it's parody. I, I don't think it's trying to lampoon anything. I think it's just saying, like, isn't this funny? But holy shit, it can also make you feel some things. Which yeah. is a, a beautiful balance. Um and... But it's great too because it's it's you have your Goku style character in Saitama, but you also it forces you to like it forces that show to focus on the the characters that aren't immortal. Oh, and dude, show their development. Like all of those character developments from the lesser characters is so interesting, especially in, in the arcs that are coming up in the manga. Honestly, One Punch Man came out first. It... No, did it? Yeah. Okay, that I mean that's disappointing. <laughs> uh, was it written first? Because he started yeah. it as a web comic, right? Uh, he did. Yeah. Was uh, it his Bob's first like, thing? Yeah, it's his first work. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's significantly superior to Mob Psycho One Hundred. So, Mo okay, that's fair. 
the next season of Mob Psycho 100 is like the conclusion to the story. So just hold your horses a little bit. Is Mob <laughs> does Mob have any flaws? Uh I mean like he is I don't I don't you know what? Let's just move on. It's fine. He's a boy. He's a child. That's his only He's boy. coming he's coming of age. Yeah, he did. And that the bull cut yeah, but he's like, he has no jealousy of anyone around him. He's only happy for all of his friends all the time. Every Mob Psycho 100 is just a show with a bunch of perfect people all being perfect next to each other and winning. It's, uh, I don't know. Like, at least Saitama hates being a Gary Stu. <laughs> Uh, I don't. Okay, I don't want to. If if like if season two, no, we've definitely not. Uh, if season two of Mob Psycho 100 had just literally ignored his psychic powers the whole time and just been about like him trying to come to terms with the fact that he's socially awkward, I would have loved it. Ten out of ten. But instead, they do like five goddamn monster of the week episodes. But that's classic anime, you know? Yeah, yes. I don't like anime. <laughs> then why are we talking about it on this basketball podcast? Well, for the same... Like, I don't like movies, but there are certain movies that I really enjoy. You don't like movies? No. I, re- I had an epiphany a few years ago that it wasn't that I love movies and I'm really... Um, selective it's that I hate movies and that there are some of them that I really love but as a, as a rule I just don't like movies so stay tuned for our Space Jam review next <laughs> I mean for what it was I liked Space Jam too you hate movies but you like Space Jam too I think this is a good time for us to announce our uh, spinoff podcast where Matt and I uh, do an episode by episode like breakdown of Once Upon a Time. Nope. Uh, <laughs> do you know uh, that story, Phil? No. This was early contrarianism. I hadn't I hadn't yet come to terms with the fact that things that I like could become popular. So we watched this awful show, and it's called Once Upon a Time, and it was airing like live. This was before you could binge watch things. And uh, we just, we watched it, and it was the corniest, cheesiest monstrosity I think you or I had ever seen. Right, Jerry? It's like it's like if you distilled all of the cringy moments from Firefly into a show, you got Once Upon a Time. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, and so we watched, like, the first three or four episodes, and we're like, this is the, this is the worst thing we've ever seen. It's wonderful. Love it. So bad, it's great. But then it became very popular. Like, very popular. And all of a sudden, we could no longer watch it with detached irony. What, what, what is this wee business? I could no longer watch it with detached <laughs> irony. I had to contend with the fact that if I was watching the show, I was participating in the glorification of what was very plainly um, terrible art. And it I, got seven seasons, novelizations, and a comic book. It run. got a novelization. 
There are several tie-in novels, yes. You know, I used to think The Dark Knight Rises was my Everest, but that might be my Everest. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Anyway, though, Phil, yeah, I mean, to to succinctly describe my point, Space Jam 2 is effectively just a commercial. And as as far as a commercial goes, it's like, it's not bad. It's better than the first one. I just, commercials are my least favorite thing in existence. (laughs) We are are constantly bombarded with commercials. Um, Our brains are turned to mush from an early age uh being the the voices from advertisers are in our head more than our teachers more than uh, the people that should be supporting us and helping us learn and grow and that's how the world is built now especially in this country so i i hate advertisements um and i just i i won't stand for it but let's watch Space Jam. Space Jam <laughs> Our review coming up at the end of the episode, everybody. So stick around for that. Um, if you want a sneak preview, you can head over to Patreon, www.patreon.com. I don't know. Jerry, what do you think about Mob Psycho 100 Season 2? Uh, I really liked it. What did you like about it? Um, I really liked the... Uh, the, the one that, that really sucked me in is the, the arc where, with, um, where he gets pulled into like a sort of a dream realm. Yeah. He has um, to fight the other psychic on the other psychic's turf. Yep. That was my, my favorite part. Uh, I think I also liked the big battle at the end with, um, I, I don't know. I I I don't want to talk about it cuz okay. I feel bad now. Why do you feel bad now? Cuz I don't know. I thought that you would like it and I was wrong. I'm sorry. I didn't like it. I preferred season 1, certainly. Yeah, uh have you watched Invincible? Not yet. Man. I couldn't help but think while I was watching Mob Psycho 100 season two that like this is the exact thematic exploration of Invincible, but they're they're willing to explore the theme. All right, cool. I'll watch Invincible. I might really love that show. Hmm. I need to think about that. I think Invincible is really good. Yeah, worth worth watching for sure. You know the other thing that I thought. Can I can I tell you what I really liked about season two? Sure. I thought the um the blind psychic was like an awesome character. Yeah, he was cool. Thought he was really good. Uh I thought he was more than just cool. I thought like it was a really great exploration of irony. And I had hoped that he would become the legato character. You know, Trigun's legato. Yep. For Mob, but of course he did not which was a, a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry it didn't uh, go the way you wanted it to. 
yeah i guess i guess that is my criticism i i I wanted it to 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 go beyond just like my guy's strong and nice and he's gonna win a cool fight maybe that's why i maybe maybe that's why trigun speaks to me so much have you seen trigun phil I I watched it when I was in like high school. Okay, but I have not long time since then. I remember he well. Spoiler alert: he blows up the moon, and that was pretty awesome. Yeah, the there's a character in Trigun that I like. It just is the best villain I think I've ever seen in a in a show. Though Invincible's pretty good too. You should watch Invincible, Jerry. I think you're gonna like it. Yeah, it's been on my. I liked him this for a while. Yeah, it was fun. I, I was saying to Jerry while you were uh, in the restroom, Phil. I think I think Invincible like explored, the, like went to where Mob Psycho 100 went, and then actually dove in to the idea, um, and like kept exploring it. And are you talking about the show or yep. the? Because I haven't read the comic, so I don't know where it goes. But... The comic is okay. The, I the comic is uh, actually one of the things one of the few pieces of media where I like the quality of the art, you know, the illustration actually does kind of bother me. Um, something about the art style of the comic is really hard for me to, to enjoy. Cause it's, it's that old like nineties cartoon look. Yeah. Like, well, the old so, X-Men cartoons. So the show is the comic is like a cross between that and also really thin line anime. So everyone just kind of looks like a little sickly. Mm, okay. Also, I preferred the drawings or like I preferred the character models in the show to those of their counterparts in the comic. And that's That's the, that's the Walking Dead guy, right? Who is it the same guy? Dead? Isn't it? I don't know. Well, I could be wrong. Nerds don't hate me. I mean, at this point, the nerds are like, oh my god, they're finally talking about something interesting. They talked just, about just, the CBA for a goddamn hour. More weeb shit. One punch, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think One Punch Man has broad appeal. Like, mass appeal. Oh, yeah, that, that's, no that's the uh, reason why it, the second season got rushed. Yeah, Robert Kirkman. What's the same guy as The Walking Dead, huh? I believe so. Hot fudge. Crazy. Um, Jerry, what did you just say? The reason that season two of One Punch Man got rushed is because it was like season one was so successful? Yeah. How did that work? They wanted to get it out as soon as possible so the the public didn't lose interest. So they farmed a lot of the animation to like third-rate studios. Wild. Hmm. Bummer. I loved One Punch Man season two. Thought it was great. I I I did definitely enjoy it. There were definitely some fights in there that I liked, but what the one not to get really in depth about it, but the I was really disappointed with the um the tournament. Like the Sui Ryu fight where he fights the martial artists yeah. master guy. I mean, there were, there were, that was like one of the most memorable 
fights from the manga, and I just feel like they kind of breezed through it. Interesting. Didn't give it the credit it deserved. So I haven't read the manga, but I really loved it in the show. I thought it was. Yeah. I thought it was great in the show. And the the other character, the well, I don't I don't want to spoil too much of it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Go watch One Punch Man season two. Those of you who are still listening to us ramble on about it, it's excellent. They're both excellent. Watch season one too. Yeah, I mean, it, season it's one a, is incredible. It's a great show. <laughs> it's the best, some of the best animation I've ever seen, and I'm an animation junkie. Drew Holiday's been injured. Oh no! Oh no! Jerry, he, don't say that. He couldn't miss in the first half. Right heel contusion out for the rest of the game. Unclear how long it will affect him. Brutal. Well, the Nets looked uh, pretty outgunned there in the first half. In the first quarter alone, Giannis had like four offensive rebounds. Which, uh, that's hard to deal with when you have Nicholas Claxton playing center for your team. Yeah, that's starting tonight as well. Mm-hmm. Not, um... Boy... And yeah, Marcus, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Millsap. I love Millsap. Um, he's getting up there in, in yeah. years, though. So. Yeah, he's. I, I think I'm comfortable saying he's washed. Oh, I forgot they have Patty Mills. That was a really solid pickup. Really nice well. pickup. Yeah, and he's played pretty well tonight as well. Yeah. Gosh, how good was he in the Olympics? He's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the reason he was a spur for a long time. Yep. Yeah. Do you think Stan Van Gundy's ever going to get another job? He's uh, announcing the game today. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I could see it, but not with a young team like like with New Orleans. That, that was that was I that was a terrible fit him with new orleans the zion team i mean yeah i i also don't think a team really should i think that i think that he's a little old school yeah i mean i would have said the same thing about tibbs before last that's season, true so hey man it was a, it was a mirage <laughs> wow jerry that's uh all right, I'm going to remember that. It was a mirage. The thing is, it's not. I don't think it is a mirage because I had I had the same fears as you guys. Not as obviously not as amplified, but when Tibbs was rumored to be the guy because Leon Rose was our executive and they were tight going back a long ways, so I was like, oh boy, so. Okay, so he's going to either trade RJ and all of our young guys away, or he's going to play them 47 minutes a night and then break both all of their legs by so the time was, they're 25. It was the second one. <laughs> it was the second one. But I'd rather have him act like a hellforge for young players and just force them into the fire night in and night out than have him ignore them. And it's it. we've somehow gotten lucky enough that he's – trust some of these young guys like 
he played RJ 35 minutes a night last year. Yeah. And RJ, he, he played Mitch when Mitch was healthy. He played Emmanuel quickly way too much. I mean, quickly was not good at the end of the season. And I'm, my, my faith in him is starting to wane a little bit. He's, I worry he's turning into a chucker and, uh, you know, more flash than function. Um, but he's, Tibbs still has faith in him, which is very interesting from my perspective. I mean, Tibbs has often had faith in Chuckers. Nate yeah, Robinson comes to mind. Well, but Nate, at, but at that point in his career, Nate was like an eight-year veteran, I think. He he was not like a rookie. Jamal Wasn't Crawford. Just, yeah. Yeah. I think Tibbs. I think Tibbs does not mind the like singularly focused offensive weapon coming off the bench. Well, he doesn't really seem to know how to do offense any other way. Yeah, it's true. Which good thing you have. Play, good good thing you have Julius Randle because. Well, I think he's he will play you if you can play forty minutes a night. <laughs> if you if you're you can't or won't, then you're not playing. But that has to be an option on the table. Man, and I'm not. I'm not worried about that yet with RJ. But give it a couple more seasons, and I'll start to be. But I mean, again, this is the same forge that Jimmy Fire was was put into. And I, I'm not saying that but, that RJ is going to turn into Jimmy Butler, but I think that experience matters, and he's also playing more than Tibbs ever played Butler in the first three years of his oh, career. Oh yeah, way more. So I think it's going to be good for him in the long run if his knees don't give out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh... Jerry's so mad. <laughs> no, I just He's Giannis, worried about Giannis. Giannis, Gian, fell. Giannis fell on his wrist, so. Oh god. Yeah. No, he he's alright. He's alright. Um it's my MVP pick. I love Giannis. I'm so happy that he's kind of becoming the face of the NBA. I think he he's... should. He should be. He's twenty. What twenty five? Twenty six. Twenty five. Yeah. Two time MVP. Finals MVP. Yep. He's Incredible. Really good. Incredible. Yep. I'm. I'm a huge Giannis believer. That's why I stuck with him. No, you guys are haters. Up. Uh, who do we I hate? Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, Jerry. How's that being a hater? Yeah, but you didn't. You got neither of you guys called him the best player in the NBA last year in our. End of season review. I still don't think he's the best player in the NBA. I, yeah, it means you're a hater. That means I'm a hater. Yeah, you're right. I picked Kevin Durant. What an ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Sorry, Jerry. I did, I, know, pick Le- cool. I did pick LeBron over him, though, so that was egregious. You did? I, th- I had LeBron. I think, yeah, I had... Uh, Durant, Kawhi, LeBron, Giannis were my top four. Wow. Yeah, the LeBron picks. Don't get me wrong. LeBron's amazing. And, you know, if we're talking legacy, I mean, unparalleled. But this was also before Giannis won the title. So Yeah. Oh, do you think the title matters for whether or not he's the best player in the NBA? At that, at that moment in time when I was writing up this list with – 
riddled with anxiety? Of course it did. <laughs> <laughs> Man. See, I, I don't. If anything, uh, I, I think they're... Titles, a... titles are the only thing that yeah. matters. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, should we talk about LeBron's legacy? How does Space Jam 2 compare to Space Jam 1? And how does that affect LeBron versus MJ? Well, I've I've been told Space Jam 2 is good. And um, yeah. watch more watchable than the first one. Yeah, I don't know if that counts as good in a in a general sense, but yeah, definitely Amen. definitely better than the first one. The the original Space Jam is a timeless classic. Nope. Yeah. Nope. But Space Jam Two Not. is better, even though it doesn't have Bill Murray in it. Which I is mean, curious. Think, think, about it, think about it this way, Matt. There's a good chance that if there wasn't a Space Jam, Zach Levine wouldn't be playing basketball right now. Yeah, I I didn't say that it wasn't culturally relevant. So yeah, like I said, Jerry, there's okay. I I don't want to get into counterfactuals about the butterfly effect. <laughs> My God, you mean that Ashton Kutcher movie? Yeah, yeah, specifically the movie, not the not the idea, but the movie, okay. the butterfly effect. What, what was his co? Who was his co-star in the butterfly effect? Blondie McGee. I don't think that. That's I don't. Her I name. don't think that was the name. Did you guys um, ever see Cabin Fever? Uh, with with, uh, guy, with, with Sean from, from Boy Meets, Meets World? World? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did not, but I just remember that he was in it. I, I don't remember much about that movie, but I do remember there's a scene where they're like, you know, walking or driving by like a little kid on a porch and he's just staring at them and they're like, what's up, kid? And he's like, pancakes, pancakes. And he just screams pancakes. You know, I'm beginning to think that this podcast has gone fully off the rails. <laughs> that was episode eight, Jerry. We've been off the we rails a, for a long a time. Boy Meets World reference. I thought you guys were too young for Boy Meets World. I thought that was just... Nah, homie. Topanga yes. was like one of my formative crushes. Topanga. You guys want to get into Blossom or what's up? What's up? We're going to talk... <laughs> From the Powderpuff Girls? No, Blossom, the sitcom from oh, the 90s. Never saw it. Oh wow! Okay, that's where the age gap lies. Right there. I was always more of a Buttercup girl myself. You were a Buttercup girl. Yep. <laughs> Good to know. I'm glad that you f have the courage to talk to us about it, and I support you. Cool. Uh, yeah, love. Uh, when this boy meets world, boy meets world. Yeah, that's all I remember. Oh, Mr. Not Mr. Phoebe. What was his name? Mr. Feeney. Remember Mr. Feeney, the wise neighbor who was also his high school teacher? No, that's Wilson. No, that's no. That's tool time. That's, that's yeah. Tool that, time. That's uh, home improvement. <laughs> yeah. With Tim I thought Allen. Wilson. I thought Wilson was was the a beach ball. Oh basketball. my god! No. <laughs> okay. We, we, this, is, this is officially off the rails yeah. now. All right, we, we we're should probably. Bouncing, we're bouncing from one reference <laughs> to the next. We should probably call it here. Uh, I think that uh, we're going to have to delay the Space Jam 2 review for next episode. Uh, so tune in next week for the Space Jam 2 review. Uh, Phil, do you have anything to say to the folks who have stuck around for a little over an hour and a half with us today? Um. 
you watch One Punch Man, dude. Yeah. Just just get on it. If you haven't, you're. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Just, just do it. Jump, jump on it. Jump, jump, jump on it. Uh, Jerry, do you have any last thoughts for the folks at home? No. Well, thanks for listening, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to getting into the nitty gritty about Don Cheadle's Oscar-worthy performance in Space Jam 2 next week. So uh, tune in for that. Um, hey, Dave, who do you think that I should put some money on this year? Listen, listen carefully.